TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. And good morning, everyone. Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Neil Malone sitting in for the coach and the big dog today. We hope to get Joel on the phone a little bit later in the show. We will also talk to David Kaplan, WGN Radio on-air personality, host of Chicago Tribune Live on Comcast Sportsnet. But got a lot planned on the show this morning. Some baseball news, some football news, and really not just talking about the Monday night game that Really wasn't that interesting last night, but a rule change. Brett Favre set to meet with some NFL officials today about, you know what, that Jen Sturger controversy. Dick Butkus tearing into the Bears. Kurt Warner possibly mentoring Jay Cutler. We'll all get into that football news all across the map. And, of course, baseball, the Cardinals, they bring back Tony LaRusso, a one-year deal with a mutual option for 2012. And Seattle hires Eric Wedge. So those two managers, not necessarily, LaRusa at least, not in the running for the Cubs man, uh, manager role. Wedge was, but LaRusa staying in St. Louis, that could impact the Cubs managerial search, and we'll talk about that uh, after we talk with David Kaplan, uh, and he'll give us some insight on that as well. And, well, the, the Rangers take a 2-1 lead on the Yankees. I don't think it's panic time in New York yet. But if Joe Girardi does go with A.J. Burnett tonight, maybe we have to start talking about panic time because I don't know if that's going to end well. Burnett, a guy who recently in a simulated game hit two batters in a simulated game. So now you're going to throw him into the ALCS against the Rangers down 2-1? I don't know. Look, the Yankees have home field on their side. They've got... A star-studded lineup. They've got you know decent pitchers in, in guys like CC Sabathia, Andy Pettit. But last night it just didn't work out. And for for the Yankees, I mean, they could have had this guy by the name of Cliff Lee for the Rangers. They could have traded for him. They really, I mean, with with the money, they can do whatever they want. And we've seen that over the last few years. But Cliff Lee, he slipped through the cracks. And last night. Boy, did he make the Yankees look foolish at the plate. 13 strikeouts for Cliff Lee last night against the Yankees. And that victory, it was an 8-0 victory by the Rangers. That gave them a 2-1 lead in the series. And that victory for Lee put his postseason record at 7-0 with a 1-2-6 ERA and eight career postseason starts. I mean, this, this guy has been nothing short of phenomenal. And it was a guy that, until a couple years ago, hadn't had any postseason experience. But Cliff Lee goes into Yankee Stadium last night and absolutely quiets the crowd, quiets the Yankees' bats. Very, very impressive. And on the offensive side for the Texas Rangers, it's been said before, but I want to say it again because this guy started off the postseason a little bit slow and now has picked it up. 
But you have to feel good for Josh Hamilton. Two homers and five RBIs in this series so far. Much of the reason why the Rangers are now up 2-1 to one on the Yanks. And a guy that has overcome a lot in the past. Everybody knows his past with substance abuse problems. And he has risen above that and is performing at a very high level. And to see him do it on this stage for this Texas Rangers ball club is pretty nice. But back to the Yankees. Down 2-1. I don't think they need to hit the panic button. Look, there's two more games in New York. They could just as easily win tonight and tomorrow and head out to Texas for the final two games of the series with a chance to knock out the series. Just win one more game. But look at who's pitching tonight. You've got A.J. Burnett going for the Yankees against Tommy Hunter for the Rangers. And Burnett, I mean, this guy has not been anything special this year. Not been what they had hoped. So if Burnett goes tonight, look, Joe Girardi has the option of of starting Sabathia. Sabathia only threw 93 pitches in his first start of the series, I think he could go tonight. Now, yes, they're going to have to use somebody at some point, so I guess you might as well do it here, but if you're Girardi, you're risking quite a lot to go down three games to one and dig yourself into a pretty deep hole if you start A.J. Burnett tonight. So, Yankees, I wouldn't hit the panic button yet, but with Burnett going... You never know. It's scheduled to be, as I said, A.J. Burnett and Tommy Hunter tonight and C.J. Wilson and C.C. Sabathia at Yankee Stadium Wednesday night, the battle of the two-letter first names, C.J. and C.C. Yeah, they, you know, Sabathia could go either night, but, uh, yeah, that is scheduled for Wednesday night, and then the final two games of the series will go to Texas. Well, let's get to the managers. The Cardinals, they bring back Tony LaRusso, one-year deal with a mutual option for 2012. After that collapse at the end of the season where the Cardinals, they were the favorite to win the division, and then they just went down, they, uh, you know, you didn't know what Tony LaRusso was going to, uh, you didn't know what he was, you know, if he wanted to stay, if he wanted to go, so... Uh, we will get more into that manager search in just a second, but we've got David Kaplan on the phone. Cap, are you there? I'm right here, my friend. All right, David Kaplan, WGN Radio on-air personality, host of Chicago Tribune Live on Comcast Sportsnet. He's got a blog on chicagonow.com. Cap, thanks for coming on. I wanted to start off with the news out of the NFL today. We had several players go down with concussions yesterday. Chris Cooley, Deshaun Jackson, Jackson, Dante Robinson, and then James Harrison on the Steelers knocking Muhammad Masquai and Josh Cribbs out of the game from the Browns. So today they announced that they're going to try to eliminate quote-unquote devastating and life-altering hits and potentially suspend players for this. What are your thoughts on this new development in terms of the NFL rules? I was watching the sports this morning with my wife. We have a son who plays football at the high school level, but he's getting recruited. He's a you know, fairly well-known player. He's six foot three and a half. He's two hundred seventy pounds, and you know he's been dealing with some injuries this year. But thank God, nothing to the head. It's been more, you know, 
knee and lower body stuff, and we watched the hit in the Monday night game. We watched the hit at Deshaun Jackson, and my wife said, boy, I get nervous every time Garrett, our son, goes and plays. And I said, they ought to suspend guys that go headhunting, leave with their head, and have these violent type hits. You hit them in the pocketbook, if you're making $8 million a year, does it really matter? Now, if you penalize, pick Julius Peppers, what's he making, $15 million this year? Okay, you find him fifty grand. He can blow that on a dinner tab one night in downtown Chicago. So I think the only way to get to the grassroots level to let high school players know that it will not be tolerated is to take their idols and sit them. Say, you are suspended for that hit. Now it hits them a game check of a million dollars or more, uh, some of them a half a million dollars. They'll feel that more, and they'll be more willing to probably not make that type of hit again. I love it. Yeah, I like it too. And, you know, there are a lot of guys out there that will try to uh, injure the opponents, whether or not they admit it uh, is a different story. But I think the NFL has to be careful here, and I want to get your opinion on this, on the the wording they use Um as I said, they've, they've used the word devastating. They've used the word life-altering. I almost think that they need to be careful uh, saying life-altering because do you think that sends a message that depending on how serious the injury is, that is what they're going to base the suspension on? Because you know as well as I do, uh, you could get pretty darn injured uh, off a completely legal hit. Yeah, I, I think what's, what's going to end up happening is I don't think it'll be based on the severity of the injury, although that may be a factor uh, in what they look at. I think that it's going to be more, you know, if you hit a guy cleanly and he happens to, you know, God forbid, get killed in the game action, that can happen. Two violent, violent guys collide at, you know, whatever number of miles per hour, create how much force, and you've got 280 to 350-pound players hitting each other. I don't think you could put it on just, that one variable, but if you see a guy lead with his head and you know crack somebody right in the head with a absolutely illegal hit and something horrible happens, I think it'll all be taken into account. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, Alex Brown, former Bear, you know, obviously beloved in here uh, for all the hard work he put in over the years for the Chicago Bears on the defensive line. He said a couple interesting things this morning on one of the local radio shows. Uh, his first point was, you know, what are we supposed to do? You know, how how am I, as a defensive lineman, going after, uh, say, a running back? At, at the last moment, am I supposed to have something in the back of my mind that says, oh, I better switch it off and try to make this hit a little bit cleaner? Uh, that was his first point, but his other point I thought was good, too. And he said, look, we signed up for this. We, we you know, it's our choice to play professional football. It's our choice to play this brutal game. Um, so, kind of, what's your reaction to uh, to Alex Brown's comments? Because he was one of the one of the classier guys that we had here on the Bears. Well, he doesn't have a history of being a dirty player. You know, Alex Brown's a quality guy. He gives back to the community, plays the game the right way. He plays whistle to whistle. He's out there not to hurt you, to do his job. So, you know, there are guys. I think that's the same thing that the NHL does. You know, when they suspend Nicholas Jalmerson for two games as opposed to had that been Sean Avery, for example, or the late, you know, the uh, latter days when Marty McSorley played, guys like that. They would have gotten a much, James Wisniewski, would have gotten a much stiffer suspension because they have a history of playing outside the rules. And I think the same thing applies 
in the National Football League, whether that's Alex Brown, Julius Peppers, who plays the game the right way, Olin Cruz, who plays the right way. Find a guy that plays dirty, you will penalize him harsher. Yeah, James Harrison, the linebacker for the Steelers, said today that he doesn't try to injure players, but he tries to put at least a little bit of hurt on him. You know, hurt meaning they can shake it off, they can get up. Uh, so James Harrison may be being a little bit more blunt there. Uh, David Kaplan joining us, host of Chicago, Chicago Tribune Live on Comcast Sportsnet and WGN Radio on-air on personality. I want to switch gears for just a moment. You know, if, uh, if people have been reading your blog, I know I've seen it before, you've definitely kept yourself abreast, so to speak, on the uh, the Brett Favre, uh, Jen Sturger issue. So Brett Favre set to meet with NFL f- officials today. Uh, do you expect him to, to say anything about this or, or even address it, or, or how do you think Brett's going to go about this? Well, I think that Brett, you're talking about will he address his meeting with NFL officials? Yeah, how do you think he's going to, going to I guess, approach this uh, this meeting with NFL officials? I mean, he's going to have to be honest with them. If he doesn't, I think they'll suspend him. I don't think they care that yeah. it's Brett Favre or James Harrison or you or me. They want the truth because in today's times, it's different than it was 20 years ago. You can't send sexually explicit photos and harass somebody without there being some type of retribution coming back at you. There's going to be blowback when you do stupid things. And I think he has proven that he's a tremendous football player. He's a human being. He made a horrible mistake. Now, my question is, and I know Jen Sturger. I've had her in studio. I've had dinner with her. I've known her for a number of years. My question to her, if I could talk to her, would be, why now? Why is it coming out the week before the Vikings play the Jets on Monday Night Football? Why is it coming out two years after the fact? Mike Ditka said last week he has absolutely no sympathy for her. Now, if she is deeply emotionally scarred, I don't know if you could say that. All I'm saying is it certainly raises suspicions why it comes out two years later when it could have come out two days after it happened, and said, look, I'm not comfortable with this. I'm being harassed by Brett Favre, and I want it stopped right now. Instead, all of a sudden, there's reports that she may have Gloria Allred as an attorney. She's noted for getting big settlements and being involved in cases like this, like Rachel Uchitel and Tiger mm-hmm. Woods' case. Uh, it, it just it smacks of, I need some cash and I need some publicity. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm just telling you what it sounds like. Yeah, and you see that a lot in sports now. You know, you, you have these high-profile guys... Uh, whether it's going out, uh, you know, on the town or, or doing something like this and, you know, people trying to make a quick buck. And not necessarily uh, that's what Jen did, but but it'll be interesting because um, it seems like, sin- you know, since that news has come out, she's kind of backed off uh, just a little bit. And finally, for you, Cap, I'll let you go in just a moment, but uh, the Cubs managerial search, uh, maybe not any news directly on that front um right now, but a couple things have happened here in the last 24 hours that maybe impact that you have a guy like Eric Wedge who basically was telling people that he knew uh, that if the Cubs, you know, were not to get Girardi, he was told by Jim Hendry he was going to get the job. Uh, and then Tony LaRussa now staying in St. Louis, uh, signing a one-year deal with a mutual option for 2012. There were rumors Girardi was going to go there. So now that St. Louis is filled, now that Wedge is out of the mix... What do you think this does for the, the Cubs managerial search, or does it even do anything? Uh, I don't think that the Tony LaRusso thing has any bearing. I think if Joe Girardi does leave the Yankees, he's coming to the Cubs. 
Um, there has got to be a reason that the Cubs are willing to wait. Uh, I think Jim Hendry wanted Eric Wedge. I really do. Um, I don't think upper management wanted Eric Wedge. So had George Girardi's name and crossed off the list already. He had said, I'm not interested. And you've got to think that they've reached out and at least tried to make contact. I don't know if they have or haven't. You've got to think there's some way that they know. Yeah. Uh, but if Joe Girardi was going to leave, he was only coming to Chicago, and if the Cubs hold out hope that they can get him, I think they're comfortable. It's not like Eric Wedge is Casey Stengel. He's a retread manager who was fired in Cleveland. Right. And I know there's a lot of people in baseball that have called me and said, you really don't know how good this guy is. He's outstanding. I'm sure he's a very good baseball man. There's a lot of good baseball men. I would wait on Joe Girardi until the day he told me absolutely no. All right, and finally, the Yankees went down two to one last night. So, better ch- do which situation makes the Cubs have better chances with Girardi? The Yanks get eliminated, or the Yanks go on to the World Series and win it? I don't think it matters. I think if he wants the Cubs job, and again, I don't know if he does. I don't know if he doesn't. If he wants the Chicago Cubs job, then he doesn't matter. He wins this thing. He doesn't win this thing. They know what they're getting. His contract is up in New York. If they want him back, they're going to make an offer to keep him, whether they win or lose this one, because they don't have that much pitching this year. This is not on the manager. You know, they lost eight to nothing last night. That's not the manager. So he, he's done a really good job there. I think he's the best baseball guy for the Cubs situation. So I would like to see Joe win because Joe, full disclosure, is a very close friend of mine. If he wins, I'm happy for my friend. If he loses, gives the Cubs a quicker chance to talk to him. I think it would be a great, great move. And, Cap, we appreciate you coming on. You're the best. And uh, ChicagoNow.com slash Cap. You can catch him on Chicago Tribune Live and also on WGN Radio, Cubs Confidential, Cubs Insider, that type of stuff. We appreciate it, Cap. Have a good one. All the best. Anytime for you, my friend. All right. That's David Kaplan and, you know, bringing you some inside information here on the Cubs managerial search and uh, kind of giving you his opinion on what he thinks on the new NFL rules. We'll get into all that here uh, a little bit further after the break, but we're going to take a quick break on TalkZone.com, two guys and a mic, and we'll keep talking baseball and football after the break, and we'll have big dog Joel Radwanski on at 1030. Two guys and a mic, TalkZone.com, quick break. Back to two guys and a mic on TalkZone.com. Neil Malone standing in for the coach, John Cohn. And I'll be joined in, well, probably about 10 minutes by the big dog. And we'll take you from 1030 on through the rest of the show. 
We had David Kaplan on. We want to thank him for coming on the show. We talked a little bit about the Cubs managerial opening, and then we also talked about this story today in the NFL. The NFL is now going to start suspending players for, I don't know if you want to call it inappropriate, egregious, flagrant. They're tossing out all sorts of words, but essentially any hit that seems like it is dirty, it is subject to suspension now. And I have to... I have to say, uh, I like this. I think it's a long time coming. I think it's interesting that it took a day like yesterday to really bring it out. I mean, yesterday we had, as I said, Muhammad Massaqua, wide receiver for the Browns, and Josh Cribbs, wide receiver, wildcat quarterback, kick returner extraordinaire. They both went out of the game on Sunday with concussions due to hits from you know, the big Steelers linebacker, James Harrison, I don't know who would want to get hit by that guy, but like Alex Brown said, we signed up for it. This is what we play football for. Harrison knocks both of those guys out of the game. We also had concussions from Chris Cooley on the Washington Redskins and then Deshaun Jackson on the Eagles and Dante Robinson on the Falcons. That was on the same play. Robinson was the one that actually hit Jackson. And to show you how dangerous some of these hits are, You're having the guy that hit the receiver and the guy that made the hit get concussions. I mean, so it's not just, it's not just a matter of the defensive players leading with their head and injuring a running back, a quarterback, a wide receiver. They could injure themselves. And that's exactly what happened yesterday. So that's five concussions at least. I'm sure there was a couple that flew under the radar yesterday. So it took a day like that. For this rule change to kind of be come or kind of be brought about, uh, they're going to discuss at the league that is uh, today and tomorrow, and they'll kind of come out with uh, with a couple rule changes. Maybe um, maybe it's just a matter of not really changing any rules, but just suspending for some of the hits that we've seen, or maybe you're inserting something in the rule book to make a certain type of hit illegal. It said Ray Anderson, the NFL football operations executive, he was on the radio this morning, and he said that the league is prepared to hold players accountable under a strict liability standard for illegal hits to the head and neck starting with games this week. So you could see suspension starting as early as this weekend. And he also said that the league will not apologize for trying to protect the player's safety and enforcing the current rules. And I think that brings up an interesting point because they have to walk a fine line here. Football is a tough sport. People watch it because they like the big hits, because they like just the brutal aspect of the game. That's entertainment for a lot of the people. We live in a very physical society. So you have to you have to be careful here if you're the league because ultimately you want to put the best product on the football field. And if you're going to start eliminating some of these hits because that's essentially what you're doing if you're going to suspend players for certain hits, players don't want to get suspended. They'd rather be fined. Really really to some players if you want to fine them, fine. I mean, they give it to charity anyways usually. So 
if you want to, I mean, if you're going to suspend them, then that is what you're doing. You're taking those hits away because players, if they're going to be suspended for it, they're not going to do it. So that means you're not going to see those big hits. You're not going to see, you know, hear the oohs and ahs from the crowd that you might usually. So they have to be careful here because you don't want to take that aspect completely out of the game. I think a lot of the players, probably probably most of them, would say, look, just let us play. We know this game is brutal. We've been playing it our entire lives at several different levels. But we choose to play it. Let it go on. But the fact is, there are some guys that are headhunters out there. If they're, you know, if, if, if it's a matter of putting their teammates in a position to win a football game by taking out one of the opponent's best players, then so be it, say a lot of the players. And those are the guys that should be suspended. So the NFL making a big step in trying to crack down on those types of hits today, and that news came out uh, late last night, early this morning. Brett Favre also set to meet with NFL officials today regarding the Jen Sturger issue. He allegedly sent inappropriate pictures to her and also left sort of some uh, voicemails involving some harassments, not necessarily of the sexual nature, but just maybe a little pushy. So it's been a long season for Brett Favre so far. You're talking about he's 2-3. and three. They were on the verge of going one and four yesterday in that, or excuse me, Sunday in that uh, win over the Vikings. Very close game. So they're two and three, not a very good start, and then this has to happen. Now you hope on Jen Sturger's side of things that she's not just doing this for a settlement or, or what have you. So I think she's backed off a little bit. I think she's realized the magnitude of coming out with this information. But the question has to be asked, and I know we've asked it before, but does Brett Favre, is he just wishing he was retired at this point? I mean, the guy loves football. But is it is this all worth it for him? He, he likes winning football. He doesn't like to lose, and right now they're kind of losing. And uh, so... Uh, I, I don't know if, if he's really digging this season. I think he, he would just as well uh, be back on his homestead in Mississippi, as I like to call it. So the NFL Network confirming that the meeting will take place this morning between Brett Favre and the NFL security officials. So we'll see how that goes. As far as week six rounding up, the Titans knock off the Jacksonville Jaguars 30-3 to last night. I think the only people that were watching that game were Titans fans, Jaguars fans, and people who had Maurice Jones-Drew and Chris Johnson on their fantasy team. Other than that, not a very compelling game for a Monday evening. The Titans, that that win didn't come uh, without a price, though. Vince Young got hurt early on. Looked like a nasty injury, but uh, it ended up just being an ankle sprain. So that win for the Titans puts them in a three-way tie for first in the AFC South with Houston and Indianapolis, all of those at 4-2. and two. And we will get into more of the NFL in a little bit. Coming up on Two Guys and a Mike, Dick Butkus, former Bear, he tears into his former team saying that the offensive line is awful. We'll tell you more about what he said coming up. And Kurt Warner, the master of the Mike Martz offense, 
He says he's willing to mentor Jay Cutler a little bit if he could fit it into his schedule. So we'll tell you more about Kurt. We'll tell you more about Dick Butkus coming up in relation to the Bears. And we'll also talk about what was a great comeback win by the Chicago Blackhawks last night over the St. Louis Blues. That's all coming up on Two Guys and a Mic here on TalkZone.com. Back to two guys and a mic on TalkZone.com. Got a one guy and a mic today. Neil Malone standing in for the coach, John Cohn. But we've got the second part of the show on the lo- on the line, and that's the big dog, Joel Radwanski. Joel, what's going on today? Uh, what's up, Neil? Hey, you know what? I'm really glad I'm filling in for the coach. But the problem is, on Tuesday, I, I filmed my show, Big Dog versus the Spread. So right now, as we speak, I'm actually en route. As it's called. So, okay. Uh, All right. You know, tip, I'm a little distracted is the best way for me to tell you, but I will give you my full attention if I can. Now, Big Dog versus the spread, is that uh, obviously that's some something on uh, guessing sports lines? Yes. Believe it or not, yeah, I'm uh, doing uh, predictions against football spreads. And so far this year, I've done really well. But last week, uh-huh. I went one and six versus the spread. Well, I know from listening to to Bill Simmons, he's got a great podcast out on ESPN, and he uh, he picks the spreads every week. And I listen to that, and I know that uh, from listening to him, the underdogs have been winning at an incredible record this year. Well, you know what? I actually uh, was picking nothing but underdogs all year. I mean, that was my only pick. You can ask Dave Olson. Yep. And I was doing other stuff on the internet. And uh, I was 15 and five, and then last week I got cute. Yeah, took a well, bunch of favorites, and I got hammered. Oh, um, every single favorite that I took lost. It, it was bad, very, very bad. I, I should have known better, you know. So yeah, there's been there's just been no rhyme or reason to the way this season has gone. It seems like every single team in the league has had at least one game where you just kind of look at it, you're like, really? Yeah, I mean, look at that Bears Seahawks game, for example. How do you give the Chicago, or I'm sorry, how do you, uh, you know, make the Bears seven point favorites with the type of football they've been playing? I mean, you, I know it's, know, I know it's the Seahawks on the road, but, uh, I, you know, the Bears, they're in a bad place right now. Yeah, you know, the, the Bears are in a very bad place. And you know what the funny thing was? This year, I've picked a lot of games that just don't make any sense. Because it always seems like, you know, Vegas knows better than we do. Yeah. And I'm forced to take the Bears because of this show. Uh, not take the Bears as a, as a bet, but just like do the Bears game. So yeah, I'm like, yep. you know what? It doesn't make any sense that the Bears are seven point favorites, so I took them. Well, considering that they consistently 
gave up the 15-yard pass up the sidelines and the slant all day long, couldn't adjust, couldn't pick up defensive backs, blitzing, yep. yeah, I look like a fool. Well, I, I'm sure you guys yesterday touched on the Bears quite a bit, and I'm sure you and I and everybody else could talk about uh, how awful they looked pretty much all day long, but we had a former Bear, Dick Butkus, weigh in yesterday when he was uh, at a charity event, and this is what he said. The offensive line is awful. The Skins and whoever else we play have to be looking at tapes today and licking their chops. It would be different if it was just the left tackle blowing a block every other play, but this is the left guard, then the left tackle, then the right guard. He said, was Lovey forced to hire these guys? And Talking about the coordinators, is he a lame duck head coach? It can only get worse. Ouch. Ow. It can get worse than it did this past Sunday? Is that even possible, Neil? I mean, I don't know. Probably, considering the second half of... The Bears' uh, season schedule is, I mean, it's maybe five times as hard as the first half. So I think it can get worse. I mean, you've got teams coming, or the Bears have to play some pretty serious teams, and I'll pull up their schedule here in a second. But uh, but that, that's got to hurt coming from a former player like that, Dick Butkus. I mean, you can't be more critical than that. I mean, so take a look at this. They've got Washington and Buffalo. I think they win probably one of those games. And then you've got Vikings, Dolphins, Eagles, Patriots, Vikings again, Jets, and Packers. I mean, at this point, can you even see them winning one of those games? Uh, at this point, I, I don't really see them winning anything. But the one thing about the particular Bears team is they continue to pull games out that, I, at least this year, they were pulling games out that I didn't expect them to win. Yep. So that everybody, when they count them out, they seem to play better. But that, yeah, but that's bad news when you're pulling out a game you didn't think they were going to win against, like the Detroit Lions, like in Week One. So, <laughs> yeah. well, I'm not talking about that kind of yeah. stuff. I, I will say this: Dick Buckus is 100 percent right on his analysis yep. of the Chicago Bears offensive line. But if there's any Bear that is just bitter and and is just more than willing to spit out vile against the Bears, it's been Dick Buckus. That's true. I, I've never seen him play. Besides on those the films, but he was born in seventy. I mean, I was born in seventy two, a year after he retired. So or before he retired, uh, so I didn't get to see him play. But he has continually ripped Bears his whole life since I since I've been alive. He's always had something bad to say about the current Bears players. So I'm going to take that with a grain of yeah, salt. Yeah, he is. But pretty, I have to admit he's right. He is pretty outspoken. Neil Malone and Joel Big Dog Radwanski here on Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. We're talking about the Bears and. Promise we won't bore you with it for much longer. But there's a couple compelling stories, uh, especially today. You know, the trade deadline looming here. The the other frustrating part with the Bears is as this trade deadline grows closer, you know, you just a normal fan would be like, oh well, why don't we just trade for an offensive lineman? Well, we don't really have any collateral. We don't have anything to give up for an offensive lineman. And if we do, it would just make us worth worse on the defensive side of the ball where we're. You know, that's the only reason why we're 4-2. and two. So, I mean, yeah. there's no way we can trade for a lineman, is there? Yeah, there's absolutely no way you can trade for an offensive lineman at this point because an offense, a good offensive lineman is like a left-handed reliever that can get out. Yep. You know, you if you if you get, I mean, I'm talking about a good one, like a Matt Thornton-type pitcher. Yep. If you get one of those guys, they're very, very rare, and you don't give those guys up. 
And and another thing is is you it, in order to be a good offensive line as a whole, you have to be able to work with each other. You have to have some continuity in. Just as, even if you threw a good offensive lineman in, you're yeah. not going to be able. It's going to be you know it's not going to work as well as having an average guy that's been there the whole particular season. So they're stuck with what they got. Exactly, and you know from one standpoint you. You don't want to blame the coaches because ultimately all they can do is come up with a game plan and throw the guys out there. Uh, you know they can't they can't you know pick up a, a blitzing corner on the outside for their their guy Frank Omiel who just misses it for some reason. They can't do that. But on the other hand, you know the the coaches they they keep mixing things up on the offensive line. There's no continuity, like you said. An offensive line should be a unit, and the Bears haven't had a cohesive unit for quite some time on a good note though kurt, uh-huh. kurt warner came out this morning he went out he was on a radio show here in the chicago area and he said that he would be willing to mentor jay cutler um regarding you know helping him with the mark mike martz offense remember warner was the quarterback for the greatest show on turf uh when they went and won those super bowls and mike martz was the coordinator Kurt Warner has to be considered the master of that offense. So yeah, I, Warner said as long as he can fit it into his schedule, he'd love to help uh, you know, a young Jay Cutler out with this offense. Yeah, I, I don't think that's going to help whatsoever. First and foremost, Jay Cutler isn't going to listen to anybody, so that hurts. Right. And, and number two, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not sitting here to bash Kurt Warner. It's an unbelievable story, but, but let's face it. When he had success in the Marks offense and the Marks system, they had Orlando Pace. They had, they had Timmerman, Isaac, you know, Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt, and most importantly, Marshall Falk. Yeah. Those guys aren't coming through the Bears' uh, doors at Hallis Hall. It's true. Uh, they were loaded. So, you know what? Everybody gives you – know, you, you call it the greatest show on turf. That's what everybody called it. Uh, let's face it. I mean, was it Mike Martz or was it Marshall Falk and Kurt Warner and Isaac Bruce? You know, yeah, once again, it does come back to uh, to the guys on the field versus the coaching staff. Uh, it's just an interesting thought because, like Dick Butkus said, can it get worse? So you wonder if something like this, uh, you know, could could help even a little bit. You know, I look, we all know that Jay Cutler beats to his own drum and, you know, pretty much listens to, to nobody else but himself. Uh-huh. But Kurt Warner, you know, he's he's widely regarded as one of the, the best guys in terms of a mental approach to a football uh, game. And... I just don't know if if somehow if anyone were to get through to him, it would be Kurt Warner. I I I, I have at least maybe five percent hope in that. I, I think Jay Cutler would almost rather uh, listen to Kurt Warner than he would some of his coaches. So that's that's why I I would be I guess a little bit optimistic about it. But uh, well, you bring up a good point about that because I I understand where you're coming from with that. No, he he couldn't help him with the X's and O's. But yeah. if he can somehow right. get him to be like, hey, you know what? You know, sometimes he's going to have to tough it out in this particular offense. You can throw for 300 yards a game. You can throw for 40 touchdowns. If you can take a couple extra hits, then you wouldn't a typical offense. I mean, because I'm not just talking about how bad their offensive line is. You know, I'm talking about the fact that in this particular scheme, you know, the, the, the receivers go a little bit deeper down the field. They have usually more people out in routes. So yeah, there's seven step drops. You know, all these go routes. I I know. So it, maybe you know he's he's, he's going to be able to tell him, oh, you should check down more. You got to make sure your protection's right. right. He would have to tell him more about, hey, if you want to be a superstar in this offense, you're going to have to get beat up a little bit. And right. 
you know, Coach said this before. He's like, you know, Joel, I think he's a, a little shy in the pocket once he gets hit. And I'm like, get out of here, Coach, out of your mind. And you know what? Maybe it's starting to happen, and, and I really don't blame him. You know, you get beat up enough like he has. Sometimes you're getting sick of getting helmets in your chest. Yeah, and especially after the news came out that apparently this was his fifth concussion. So maybe that is maybe that plays a factor as well. Um, but I agree. I, I think you know Kurt Warner could help Jay Cutler with the mental aspect of the game. I think Jay Cutler, uh, especially recently, has been going into certain situations, whether it's a third and long or or, or a situation where. You know, he sees the blitz coming, and he automatically just says, "Uh-oh, this is going to end bad." And and yeah. he he doesn't even he doesn't even try. Like he just knows he resigns to the fact that the play is not going to go the way it should. So with that mentality, I just think someone like Kurt Warner maybe could step in. But I think you're right. I think Jay Cutler thinks he he knows more about the X's and O's, more about the game of football than anybody else. I think he's sorely mistaken, but I also think you're right that you can't get through with him uh, on that side of the thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Isn't it funny that all these years the Bears have had really good offensive lines, have had solid defenses, decent running games. We were just missing the franchise quarterback. Now, yep. supposedly we had the franchise quarterback, and we have an offensive line that's more like turnstiles than an offensive line. Yeah, it's true. You know, I, I don't want to place too much blame on Cutler because I, I think he has been getting a lot of it, but you you probably won't be able to find a quarterback outside of maybe Peyton Manning in this league that would be able to function with this offensive line properly. I mean, maybe not even Peyton Manning. They no. are they are that bad. I, I guess the the whole thing is is Cutler really has to be sure. Maybe just the only thing he has to do better, and not not even really get rid of the ball quicker, just make sure everybody's picked up. Yep. That, that, maybe that seems too simple, but it, that's what the, the Bears' the number one job needs to be when they get up to the line of scrimmage is to make sure every single every single player is picked up. And I guess if uh, you're going to be Frank Omael and and uh, Jamarcus Webb who continue to double down on the guy over the guard instead of picking up the guy blitzing from the outside. Oh, don't you know, get me started. That's going to be an issue. <laughs> a- absolutely. Well, we could go on about this all day long, talking Bears here with uh, Big Dog Joel Radwanski here on Two Guys and a Mic. Neil Malone with you, and uh, let's switch gears here just a little bit. I haven't talked to you. Uh, I talked to David Kaplan earlier in the show about the, the new news about the NFL uh, going to start suspending players for hits to the head. Uh, what what are your thoughts on that, especially coming off a weekend where at least six players in the NFL uh, that we know of uh, suffered concussions? Well, they they better be careful what they do. They better be exactly. careful that they don't actually change the product that's out there on the field. Mm-hmm. Quite simply, it's in the middle of the year, and it's very difficult. I do appreciate the fact that they're being... Um, you know, they're being proactive, and they're trying to do something before somebody dies on the field. And I'm not trying to be uh, shocking or anything like that by saying that. But, I mean, that's what they're trying to do. But to change something in the middle of the season after everybody's coached up is a little suspicious. And I do not like the language that the NFL has used mm-hmm. to, like, uh, uh, no more, what is it, vicious hits? What did they say? Do, do you, uh, you know yeah, the they used, they used uh, the word devastating and life-altering. Yes, yes. And now, I mean, what's the, I mean, if you're a linebacker and you scrape and you fill the hole and you absolutely blow somebody up and erase somebody, 
that could be a devastating hit, but what's he supposed to do, not do it and get run over by the running back? Yeah, I you think so I think you're right. If, if this is this, there's so much gray area. I will tell you this. I, from what I saw this weekend, I, I mean, is is did you see the two Jerome Harrison hits, the one on Massaquai and the one on on Joshua Chris? Uh I did not see them. Uh, I I read about what James Harrison has said, sort of in response to that, um, but but I didn't see the actual hits. Because to be quite honest with you, it was a guy playing football. And two helmets collided on both the hits. That's what it looked like to me. I, I uh, don't doubt it. That's what I. That's what I assumed it was. I mean, James Harrison is one of the elite linebackers in this league, and he, he's, you know, he's huge. So, like, what do you want? Uh, he's playing the game. That's the way he plays the game. Um, I think you're right on, on two things. I think you're right on the. They have to watch what they do uh, in terms of damaging the. All right, man. The entertainment entertainment value of the the sport because you know the big hits are what people are what people watch the sport for and I think you have to be careful in what, uh, the amount you take out of the game and also yeah like you said I mean what are they supposed to do I mean they're they're playing foot like Alex Brown said this morning what are we supposed to do if we're going if if we're going after uh, a running back. Should we just all of a sudden should a flip you know switch off in in your head and say oh I better lighten up a little bit? Yeah, yeah. You're, sorry about that. You're absolutely right, Neil. Now, did you happen to see the Brandon Merriweather hit on Todd Heap? Yes, I did. Okay. Now I, I will admit that was an easy call. If you from the new terminology, I would understand. Hey, you know what? Yeah. The guy deserves to be suspended. Todd Heap is coming down, defenseless. You measure him up and then launch your helmet into his helmet. Yep. Okay, you know what? That one was easy. But if you look at the one where Dante Robinson uh, erased Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson. Jackson, yep. You know, he, I mean, he lived with the helmet, but he hit him in the chest, and the whiplash caused a concussion. I mean, that, that hit was just absolutely incredible. So all of a sudden, that's great. Then all of a sudden, Jerome Harrison is just chasing people down, and he happened to to make coming on the contact, and I really didn't see it as being malicious. It was just a devastating hit. So they better be very careful because all of a sudden, you know, they're going to be in a situation where it's a gray area and it's a superstar who gets the, the concussion, and then they suspend the guy, and then the next week there'll be a superstar who knocks out a nobody, yep. and it's going to be the same exact hit, and then all of a sudden they're going to have to – and I'm not saying the superstars should get preferential treatment. But you know how it works, Neil. Yep. And then all of a sudden the NFL is going to be in a situation where they're going to have to suspend Ray Ray or something like that, and they do not want to do that. Yeah. And by Ray Ray, I meant Ray Lewis. You know, it's 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 all over the news today. Um, it probably didn't help the fact that uh, on the college level, a Rutgers guy just uh, he is now paralyzed from the neck down with a, a spinal cord injury, and that didn't even really involve um, a, a dangerous hit of any kind, but. But it's a brutal sport, and it's definitely being brought to light. I do agree with the fact that they are now suspending guys for it. I think when and if a dirty hit comes, I think a suspension is far more effective than a fine. Because ultimately, oh, ultimately, the money isn't going to do anything for these guys. If they get fined fifty grand, so be it. But if you take them out of a football game late in the year when their team's you know battling for a playoff spot. That is what is going to make them uh, learn from it. 
if if you suspend a guy who's making league minimum, which is four hundred grand a year, fifty thousand, you know that that'll work. Yep. But if you if you find Ray Lewis, who's making ten million a year, which is six hundred thousand dollars a game, fifty grand, he he doesn't care. And you're exactly right. You, it's going to have to be like a game suspension for somebody like that because all of a sudden that's a game and it's six hundred thousand dollars. All right. Well. There, there's your football talk in terms of that. After the break, I want to get... I'm sorry, I'm getting chased by the police right now, Neil. I'm sorry. Joel is now in a high-speed chase on the Kennedy Expressway. <laughs> and it sounds more like a fire truck, but uh, is, yeah, a fi- it was, is a fire truck chasing you? Yeah, well, I was, they thought I was having a heart attack because of... Uh... The intensity of our discussion right now, but I was okay. Okay, yeah. Well, I'm glad you're all right. And and coming up after the break, uh, we'll take a break for the final time here on Two Guys and a Mike, Neil Malone and the Big Dog in the house, and we will talk Blackhawks coming back, uh, and also a local area kid. He commits to a high-level college basketball program. We'll tell you about that coming up next on Two Guys and a Mike. Two guys and a mic rolls on here on TalkZone.com. If you want to call in, 888-GO-FOR-IT on the listener line. We've got the big dog in the house, and we are, uh, we're we're going to talk a little Blackhawks now. The Blackhawks, did you did you catch the game last night, Joel? No, I, you know, I'm really embarrassed. I was watching baseball, and I was watching NFL football. Well, I was watching half of an NFL football game. The Tennessee Titans played one, but the Jaguars did. You must have had a fantasy interest in that game. No, no. Actually, the fantasy interest I had involved a girl in a Jaguar cheerleading outfit, but that was about it. Oh, okay. Well, that's fair enough. Uh, you know, and actually, in the Sun Times today, they've got a nice picture of one of the Redskins cheerleaders. I don't know if that that has any relation there, but I'll I'll give you the abridged <laughs> version of the Hawks uh, win last night, late in the third period. They're down two nothing to the St. Louis Blues. It looks like kind of another one of those disappointing performances by the Hawks. But who else? Marion Hosa. He makes it two to one, and just a couple minutes later, with a few minutes left in the game, ties it up. Two goals for Hosa in the last, uh, in the latter part of that third period. Marty Turco makes a couple huge saves near the end of regulation. It goes to OT, and then Patrick Sharp wins it for uh, the Blackhawks in overtime with about a yeah, minute twenty left on a great play from Patrick Kane. I mean. This team, they, they've made it interesting this year. Last year you saw a lot of 5-1, uh, 6-0 type wins from this team, but this year it seems to be a little bit different. Uh, do you think it's do you think it's just the fact that they've lost some of their key players from last year, or it's the same caliber of guys, they're just trying to get to know each other a little bit more? It, it, it's definitely a, a little bit of both. I think both those particular things are integrated. But don't forget, what, it's six games into the season? Yeah. You know, so... It's definitely a small, small sample. So, you know, I'm not going to get too worried about it. But uh, th- to be honest with you, I, I think they're going to be all right. Uh, Marion Hosa is healthy. 
that second goal he made yesterday was just, unbelievable. It was un yeah, you're right, it was unbelievable. And uh, you know, I'm one of the few people in Chicago who think that they have an upgrade in goalie over uh Niemi with Turco. So certainly experience wise, Marty Turco, he'll give you a heart attack every once in a while with handling the puck. Um <laughs> he likes to do that, but but yeah, he he's crazy and I think I think he's the kind of I think he's a right goalie for this town. I think uh, just kind of the attitude he brings is is kind of refreshing. Um, Niemi was great, but you know, very soft spoken. Um, kind of went about his business, but I, I, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I'm not trying that. to be on the fence, Neil. And give me uh, give me the middle of December, and I'll answer that question for you definitively. You know, okay. Are they missing those guys, or is it something where they're just you know who knows? I mean, I, I think they will miss them. You know, that's going to be an issue. They lost a lot of talent, you know, via free agency. So. Yeah. Hopefully they can gel somehow. Yeah, I think Hawks fans are still trying to uh, get down everybody, all the newcomers' numbers when they're watching the game. I, I you know, I'm, when you go to bars and watch the game, you're kind of like, you keep hearing, oh, who's number 15? Oh, who's number 24? Oh, you know, it, it just seems like everybody's still kind of in that mode of trying to get to know these players. But Marion Hosa and Patrick Sharp, I mean, it was fitting that it was those two last night. Hosa has seven goals in the first seven games for 11 points overall, and Sharp has six goals in the first seven games and eight points overall. So that's 19 points between these two guys, 13 goals in the first seven hockey games. I mean, can you really get much better than that? <laughs> no, I mean, that sounds like uh, that sounds like Edmonton Oilers of the mid-'80s, that type of production right there. You know, it, that, that makes it feel good because they, they've spent so much money on Hosa that you, they really need to get production out of them. So it, it's key for this team that uh, Marion Hosa keeps on putting the puck in the back of the net because if they're going to end up winning the Stanley Cup, they're gonna, it's going to be easier for them if they've got you know home rink advantage you know, in a one or two seed. So, uh, mm-hmm. and, and just a simple fact, they let a lot of guys go because they paid big money to five or six players. So those five or six players have to be good. Right. It just, it's, as, it's as simple as that. By the way, Big Dog, is that your sound effect? Is that something you've added to the show now in the background? You just have dogs barking because of your nickname? Well, my my uh, studio is in beautiful Humboldt Park. Okay. And I don't know if you know Humboldt Park that well. I don't know if I've been out there too much. Well, it's, uh, it's not exactly Lincoln Park, <laughs> okay, is the best way for me to put it. But uh, I, I am going to get safely to this place, I hope. Well, maybe we'll add that to the show at some point. Maybe we'll just have, maybe that'll be your intro, just dogs barking in the background. I, I have learned a lot of ethnic slurs about the, what the term white boy means in, <laughs> well, in Spanish. I mean, really, I mean, it, it's unbelievable. So. Well, there you go. There you go. The, the Blackhawks, their next game is Wednesday against the Canucks, who they've built up a little bit of a playoff rivalry with. They go against the Brothers Sedin on Wednesday, so the Hawks 4-2-1 and one through the first seven games yeah and Marion Hosa you know the knock on him was always uh can he show up in the playoffs um but now this is his first full regular season with the Hawks and so far it's just going uh unbelievable and you know when you pay a guy 12 uh, or 60 million dollars over 12 years I think you're kind of uh hoping for production like that yeah yeah you definitely need production and uh it always cracks me up a guy goes to the finals twice and loses in consecutive years with different teams and he's considered a loser yeah. I've always found that strange. You know, like if you're a Buffalo Bill you're of the early 90s, you're considered a loser. Exactly. You know, so I kind of 
I kind of shrugged my shoulders at all that, but it's like you made the Super Bowl three times. I mean, what do you want? You know? Yeah. Well, four times. Four times. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah four times in a row, and those guys are considered losers. And you know, I understand that. That's kind of like the American mentality of, you know, if you get to the finals and you lose, you're a loser. But uh, you know, I know is this: if he keeps on scoring a goal a game, uh, he might be considered the best player in hockey, which people are already saying a weekend or two weeks into the year. Yeah. Simmer down, everybody. It would be a little early for that. But, I, well, hey, I want to thank you, Big Dog, for coming on the show, uh, keeping me company here in the uh, the last half hour. Got a, a, about a minute left. Uh, I just wanted to say uh, real quick that uh, a local kid, East Aurora's Ryan Boatwright, he committed to West Virginia yesterday in college basketball. He's going to go play for Bob Huggins, uh, the top-rated point guard in Illinois. And this was the kid, Big Dog, that – committed to Tim Floyd at USC when he was in eighth grade. Yes, yes. Um, and so so he is now now a little bit older now, and he chooses uh, West Virginia over the likes of UConn, Providence, and DePaul. That is all the time we have on Two Guys and a Mic today. I want to thank you, Big Dog. I want to thank David Kaplan, uh, host of Chicago Tribune Live on Comcast Sportsnet. And, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll catch everybody next time. And we'll see who gets suspended this weekend uh, with some uh, bad hits in the NFL. All right, thanks, Big Dog. See you later. Uh, take it easy. All right, that was two guys and a mic here on TalkZone.com. I'm Neil Malone, and we'll catch you tomorrow with all the sports news you need to know about.